Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that loves and yet also shits on all your favorite horror movies. This episode, we're talking about The Others, directed by Alejandro Amenabar. So I'm Mary. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Rachel. And we are so excited to welcome a beloved friend back to our coven for this episode, (laughs) Andrew Farmer. You may recall his presence bringing you immeasurable joy on our episode about what lies beneath, but whether you do or not, we'll just, you know, tell you to shut the fuck up for a second so he can tell you about himself because he's the most wonderful person. Andrew, hi. Hi. Oh, I'm so excited to be back with you all. We're We're so so happy to have you. He's lying. Everyone's, (laughs) all three of our faces right now are like, like. We were all what, what, early. All the teeth. All the teeth. <laughs> you can see any smile. Uh, it looks like there's really like fish hooks on either side of our mouths. <laughs> it's like in Truth or Dare. Remember that movie where their faces are like. Why do you have to bring that up? That was terrifying. <laughs> I always see that. Cl- like, I feel like it's always. That face is always featured in my YouTube recommended videos. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want this. Uh, but no, it's my pleasure to be back. I'm so thrilled to join you all again. We're so happy to have you. So, Andrew, what's going on with you? What's new since we last talked? Let's what's, see. What should, we, what should we know about you, your life? Where can everyone find you? Blah, 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 bleah. blah, blah. Sure. Um, so I'm a storyteller and a writer and an actor. I just finished my first TV writing staff job on the Woo! third season of Miracle Workers, which was super fun. Um, that should come out, I would suspect, within the year, but if not this year, then the beginning of next. And, uh, I, as always, have a podcast with, uh, my dear friend and a friend of your podcast as well, Anna Dresden. We have a show called Scary Stories to Tell in the Pod, uh, which explores the Alvin Schwartz and Stephen Gamble series of books that came to prominence the 80s and 90s. And also we cover urban legends and spooky stories that our, uh, listeners send in. Uh, so you can find that uh, at Forever Dog or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can find me. Uh, I'm I'm at that's a jellyfish. I real I made my my social accounts before I had any idea of what a career would be, and it's I'm just too deep in and out to change it. So uh, that's where you can find me. <laughs> I love it. It's it's honestly it's my favorite place on the internet though. Yeah. <laughs> like if like there is no version of. Like, a day I'm having that is terrible <laughs> will be so much better once oh, I hit your Twitter or Instagram. It's so true. And if I'm having the best day, it's only going to get better when wow. I go to your, your Twitter. Like, always. always. That's always. the kindest. I, I I was raised Irish Catholic, so um, I have a hard time accepting any compliments, but thank you very much. <laughs> uh, very much appreciated. That means a lot. Thank well, you. I can give you the same advice I gave your fellow Catholic, uh, Mary Kay, uh, about, oh, well, we've been friends officially for 10 years now, right? Is that true? No, yeah, more than 10 years now. More than 10. And early on in our friendship, I gave her some compliment and she was like, I don't know, whatever we say as women to like acknowledge that a person spoke to us, but not accept the compliment. Thank you. You have no taste. Oh, God. I mean, you're wrong, but you're very polite to be so. And uh, and I was like, say I know. I know you know. Like I'm compliment. I was something like her hair or her outfit where I was like, I know you know. You did it on purpose. It's me. Be like, yeah, I know. Right. That's not rude to be like, yeah, I worked really hard at it, and it turned out. I know, right? Thank you. 
<laughs> so that that's what you can say when someone's like, I love your social media. You can go, I know, right? Thank you, man. Who, I who thought it was gonna that. turn out? Who thought it was gonna turn out? That I really way? did like, watch the Wendy video. Like, oh, that means so that I mean. I give full credit so to my husband Chris uh, for you know I I drew the pictures but he he did all the page turning which I think is kind of the thing that makes it all work. <laughs> the, the timing is really special there. Yes, it yes. Is. Like you're not wrong, and I'm glad you had like such a, a musician's yes, hand. Very to important. Do that. Yeah. But also, you're I know you're a musical person yourself, so like again, shut up and take the compliment you sent. Well, of. thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> We're um, obsessed with you. <laughs> oh, the film's mutual, really. I, I am so jazzed to be joining you again. Yay. Oh, my gosh. I just, oh, my, even this, like, he has such a pretty voice. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get it together, guys. Today we're talking about The Others, which is a Spanish film, like, originally written in Spanish, directed, written and directed by a Spanish filmmaker, starring an Australian actress, Doing a British accent that was then wildly popular in the United States, mm-hmm. all over the map here. Uh, that's <laughs> that means that none of you have any excuse. <laughs> it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was happening everywhere. It won a bunch of Goyas. Like so, uh, if you were alive at the time this came out, it's very likely you've seen it. It was very popular, whether you were alive or not. This is a massively spoilable situation. Yeah, we're definitely going to spoil it. So if y'all haven't seen it, pause it, rent it, watch it, watch it. Again, and this is this is not this is not the kind of movie. Yeah, that you can enjoy it. that you can enjoy quite the same way if it's been spoiled. Once it's spoiled for you, or once you've seen it, rewatching is a treat. So then fun. It's so yeah. fun to pick apart, but it's immensely spoilable so please 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 if you haven't seen it this this is not one of those movies where we're gonna have fun making fun of it because it sucks it's actually fucking great it is yeah it's this very special movie so go watch it um for this recording i rented it on uh amazon uh when i rewatched it i just uh queued up a free cinemax trial on amazon so I could watch with our also friend of the podcast, Emily. Yay. While baby Jelly, her name is Bridget, but don't worry, we can call her Jelly, um, <laughs> slept in her arms. And I was like, this is good for her, right? This is fine. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. She was like, I turned out okay. So if you have Cinemax, it should be free to you. If you don't, it is rentable in any number of iterations in a number of places. Also, uh, if you know anyone about our age, they might have it on DVD. Honestly, it was very popular. (laughs) It was very, if you know anyone over the age of like 30, they might have it on DVD. It was very popular. And if you know, if you know anybody who has like that super special premium Hulu with the stars, you can watch it Mm -hmm. there too. You can upgrade your ex-boyfriend's Hulu as well if you decide to do that. <laughs> I know? didn't do it. I felt bad about it. So my best friend Mimi was like, give me the remote. I'll do it. And then we watched <laughs> And this is what best friends are for. That's and this brilliant. is why this is why best friend is a tier. Because right. not all best friends would do that. But then a different best friend would be like equally criminal in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mama, I'm you know. in love with a criminal. 
I'm really making it sound like we're like great escaping our best friendships. <laughs> like we're assembling a crack team for a heist or a prison break. Yeah, anyway. we're, that's not what this. We're not doing that. I would really? never. <laughs> I would never make my friendships based on the possibility of apocalyptic situations. Mm-mm. It's important to have these conversations just in case. Yeah. yeah. Just yes. in case. Yeah. Like if you're already my best friend and what like, yeah, like let's, right. let's level, you know? And it's important to revisit those conversations because things, <laughs> things change. It, I mean, early on in this podcast, Mary Kay and Megan decided that I was the one that would die first. And then very recent, relatively recently, Mary Kay was like, no, kill me. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Just let me die. I grew like, up and evolved emotionally. Yeah, exactly. Expect. You know, we, we all change. I mean, unless we're fuckboys. So the icebreaker. Mm-hmm. This is your last chance to get out and unspoil for yourself. <laughs> Our icebreaker today is when in the future. You get to haunt an epic and dramatic mansion. So you just kind of like wake up one day. It's 20, 50, however many years in the future, right? But you don't know. You don't know yet. When you wake up in the future, in your beautiful mansion, what do you hope that you see in that future mansion? I mean, I have a very specific rider for what I would want in the mansion that I haunt, <laughs> and I'm not going to accept anything less. I'm sorry. I'm a very easy person, but I think when it comes to my afterlife, especially if I'm stuck on Earth, I'm going to need a pool. I'm going to need um, at least one room that's very sunny, and I'm going to need uh, a library with a very comfortable chair. Like, the, I'm going to need all three of those things. Otherwise, it's a no-go deal. I'm, I'm moving on to another mansion. Like it's, in your it's in your contract. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whoever 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 manages those things, whether it's like Saint Peter or some uh, uh, ferryman sort of entity, they're gonna have to deal with it. It's Charon. Yeah, exactly. I was. Space you know what's so funny is like I I know how to spell Charon, but I'm never sure whether it's Charon or even just like Karen, which is a very funny thing to imagine the like I, fairy person. I've always said it Charon, like he's <laughs> like he's a Pokemon or something. That is a very Pokemon name. What an ability too! It'd be like. I can't kill you, but once you're dead, I can get the fuck rid of you. <laughs> can you imagine? That's, that's the actual scariest Pokemon. That's what I like. I want that guy. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I fundamentally made that up as I went, um, that pronunciation. That sounds but right, though. That sounds the most Greek. I was going to say, my dad does speak Greek. Yeah. And I think that might be based on hearing him actually say the word aloud. That's very At some helpful. point in my upbringing. But yeah, you know, he's so because he's a he's a pastor, you know. So like, yeah, Greek, Aramaic. Like he has a lot of there are a lot of languages he can he's got a range. read and write, cool. if not really speak. But he did live in Greece for for some time, and he does actually like function in Greek. Oh wow, yeah, that's very impressive. That. That's fascinating. Where would y'all hunt? I interpreted it differently. So also because I got on stupid early. And chatted with uh, Mary, and I'm like, "What is this 
explain this icebreaker to me like I'm five. And she's like, okay, you wake up and you're haunting a mansion. It's years in the future. What do you hope is happening in the world? And I, I knew exact the first thing that came to my mind. Do you guys remember the movie Demolition Man? Yes. With Wesley Snipes. Oh, yeah. Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> everywhere. Everyone loves it, right? So, um... Sylvester Stallone is like this like big time cop guy or whatever and he goes and he's like wakes up in the future and he does all this great stuff and they're trying to like take him to like the best restaurant and like in his honor and they're like yeah we're going to Taco Bell and he's like Taco Bell and I don't remember why like what this backstory was but so now every single restaurant no matter how posh or normal or whatever it is is called Taco Bell Right. And I, I like to subscribe to that that future where we just call every restaurant Taco Bell. How did they, how did they work out that sponsorship deal? That's like the <laughs> best thing you could hope for. I mean, I guess it's Demolition Man, but you know, at the same actually, time, actually, as I went to go look, like I, I was, I, I was trying to look up the backstory of it. So I was like, Demolition Man, Taco Bell, into Google, and what came up was that recently there was like an anniversary and Taco Bell did this huge, beautiful gala with like, they had like the costumes on display, these beautiful Baja Blast cocktails. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and when you say beautiful Baja Blast cocktail, is it just the Baja Blast freeze full of tequila? That's what I that's assumed. All, no, that's it's all like, ever, remember? That's all I've ever needed. Remember those old fashioned um, glasses they would use for New Year's. They're like, like the champagne shallow. flutes. Yeah. Oh no, like a, coo- a, a coupe glass. A coupe. Yeah, a the shallow glass. champagne glass. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, like a coupe. It was like a that, glass. and they uh. were all stacked yeah. with Baja Blast. <laughs> Please that send us those so images wild. so we can share them. Girl, I'm in the middle of doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about the high low of this because the coupe glass was supposedly designed after the breast of Marie Antoinette. Oh, I have heard that. That's right. So f- filling, I mean, so my brother is has long worked as like a fancy bartender, right? And bar manager. And uh, I was like, man, I only like coupe glasses because I love martinis, but I spill them. And he was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with drinking almost anything in a coupe glass. I don't know why anyone drinks anything out of a martini glass. They spill, right? And he was, he, we were talking about this and I was like, so, so I'm just like drinking out of a boo? Was this like nursing? It's like a different way to nurse yeah, a drink. Yeah, it's like reverse, reverse nursing. You're nursing yeah. from within the breast itself. Yeah. Yeah. All right, who's next? Um, so the way I expressed it to Rachel, or the way Rachel expressed it, was a little closer to the way I was thinking about it. But then Andrew's answer now has me like, wait, if I get to pick the mansion. Okay, so this is basically the Sims fantasy, like, haunting story. Where you have the the cheat code, yeah. you have all the money you want with the you know mother load. I've yeah. been using Rosebud. Is that is mother load the mother girl? Mother load is the good. Oh my god! What year is this, Mary Kay? Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it might as well be. We didn't leave the house. Um. So yeah, mother M O T H E R L O D E. That's like fifty thousand. It's oh, way man. more. Pretty sure you can use just like straight up console commands to just put however much money you want in your account. I'm just old fashioned. So yeah, I was originally thinking like, what would I want the world to look like when I wake up? Even if it's only in 20 years, you know? But now I'm like, well, if I get to just, I don't know. <laughs> um, 
So I still don't want that much space. Honestly, that's too much responsibility. Kind of like how I don't want my house to be that big in general because then I have to clean all of it. Yeah. That's a lot of dusting. Oh, and so much. So I want the least space I can get away with. And then my haunting would also be so efficient. Because absolutely. What if you were haunting one of those mini homes? That's what I want. That's what I want. I want like one of those little like bungalows that's like three fifty, like three hundred fifty square feet. And because then everything I touch, everything I do is upsetting. (laughs) You're gonna get bored so fast. You need a hidden wing to explore. Um, No, because then no one could live with me. It would be great. The turnover would be outstanding. (laughs) It would be like working at a fast casual restaurant, except it's my house. And my job is terrorizing. Actually, I think that would be the best time, Mary Kay, because if you're in this big, 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 big house, you're there for eternity, so you're going to get bored of that eventually, too. And people are going to stop coming. A bungalow? Everybody wants to go to a bungalow. You're going to get a new visitor every night. Everyone's going to be true. like, hey, look, there's that bungalow. And I'm Oh, my like, God. If I could haunt a bungalow Airbnb situation. That's what I'm saying, dude. Oh my God! I think that that's that that's the dream. Like a good time, Mary Kay. What about you? Yeah, it's my turn now. So I misunderstood this question. Also, <laughs> this will be fun. Um, now that I know we get to design a house, I and and this is The Sims, and I don't have to live off of my Sim person doesn't have to live off of her royalties from writing nine books because she can just do that. She can just sit down at the computer and write. And then if you hit it enough hours, then it's done. And then you get royalties, which are extravagant in comparison to what you get in real life. By the way, I wrote a book. Y'all should buy it. And (laughs) Um, we'll tell you about it later. Uh, Or if you've been listening, you already know about it. But now that I know I don't have to do that, I want the Clue Mansion, probably. Okay. Or bigger. Yep. And the way I interpreted it is what, uh, who do you want in the house? Right? Not not the house itself. If you I, say Colonel Mustard, I swear to God. <laughs> no, I think I was all, thinking, of, like, I I wanted, think all of these um, interpretations are outstanding. Okay, so like, I don't want anyone who inherited the house. I want someone yeah. who, because um, that would be insufferable and I would just be tripping them all the time in the hallway. Like, I'm so sick of your shit. <laughs> I'm a ghost and I know you're out of touch. I would pick like some reclusive artistic type who, and I could just like sit in the corner and watch their process. I also, I was thinking like I would just want to haunt a library, but I think I would get frustrated not being able to create anything. So watching someone create, and and my ghost self is basically a stalker. (laughs) I I didn't mean it that way, but that's how it happened. And now I'm just going to go with that. It's like, it's like swim fan in a gothic mansion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Swim fan in a gothic mansion. I, I think you should absolutely pitch that. Because um, it, it it's it's very much the exact sort of movie I would go see. I just watched Swim Fan not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I really well, I mean truly within the month. <laughs> I would love to write that movie. That sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, it's like ghost, but then it takes a fatal attraction turn. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I'll get on that. I'll get, I'll get you some. Soon. I look forward to it. If if ever I if ever I come into a large sum of money, I'm happy to invest. You know, you said that in the microphone. We're recording. I did. Okay. I did. <laughs> okay, Mary. 
The Others. I hadn't seen this since a snow day when I was like 14 or 15. In southeastern Virginia, we never had snow days, right? And uh, it actually snowed, like four or five inches. Like it was proper. And the roads all froze. So we were out of school, but we could like get around the neighborhood. So the handful of us that were in the neighborhood knew each other, you know, like we were dragging each other on sleds to the blockbuster to pick up some movies. And we decided, I don't know, we thought it was, you know, the right thing for a snow day to get spooky. So we got this and signs. And we brought them home. And you have a distinct narrative style that you like, huh? Well, I'm pretty sure I was just as bossy then as I am now. <laughs> so it really sounds like Mary picked those movies. And because you remember back then I was like, I don't like horror. I like thrillers. Because I didn't know then that thriller was a right. piece of language used to devalue other kinds of horror so we came back on our sleds and we made popcorn my mom made us hot chocolate and we all cuddled on the couch and watched these movies and i i even at the time like i was young i didn't really know better even at the time i was like this is very good like this is pretty and it's smart and I'm a clever enough kid that like I I was looking for plot holes, you know, <laughs> and I wasn't finding them. But did it and scare you? Of course it did. I was scared. Anything that even tried to pretend to be scary at the time scared me. <laughs> also, I was watching with my friend Justin, who was just the jumpiest young man. Like he would freak out. And we were like, she, she just opened a door, my dude. Like you got it. You got it. A little easier. A little easier. So was it, what was it that tipped you off that it was going to be scary? Was it the blood-curdling screech that began the film? <laughs> no, I, I knew. I hadn't seen it in the theater, but it had been out and then out long enough to then be released on videotape. Uh, I'm just kidding. It was probably a DVD. Um, probably at the time. I knew it was scary. Like I had, it had the reputation that it was spooky or scary. So Is that's it how I knew. To you now? Yo, I wait. First of all, I'm glad I waited to watch this until after dark because it's a very dark movie and I wouldn't have been able to yeah. see anything. I wouldn't have been able to see anything. But secondly, I'm so glad I did because I forgot that I could be scared of the dark. And it 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 got to me like after it was over, I was like, all right, let's turn on a couple lights and uh, watch an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine before bed. Like, I knew it wasn't real and didn't happen to me, but it was just such a, such a freaky place to live for almost two hours, you know? It really got to me. Again! And I'd seen it before. Like, I should have known better. I feel like for a movie that does have a surprise ending, it's still scary when you, when you know. Like, and that, I think that's really hard to do well. Yeah, it, I, I, the lighting is so incredible in the movie. So like, the, the way in which, I mean, I think it, it, it must in some way be drawing from um, the movie uh, The Innocence, which is based on um, Turn of the Screw. It, it was yeah, like, like, yeah. 
Yeah, like Deb, it's like a Deborah Carr movie. I think it came out in the early '60s. It's a black and white movie, but it like very similar to that. It's about like um, a British woman with two eerie children who believes the house I is haunted. Evil kids. Yeah, it's 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 what I mean, it's what the haunting of Bly Manor is loosely based on. But like, Uh yeah, but uh, but the the others is definitely borrowing pretty significantly from the like lighting of Mm -hmm. uh, the innocence. And and what's so smart about it to watch is that in this massive house. Um, it makes you feel kind of claustrophobic mm-hmm. because everything is just what you can see by candlelight, which is very scary. And then it makes everything you can't see so much more massive, which sounds yes. super obvious. But it's a really hard thing to capture on film, I think. And The Others does it so, so well. I think that Absolutely. the lighting definitely like inspires that claustrophobia, especially because natural light is, it'll kill them. Right. Okay, yeah. To the concept of the uh, of the film, but but the other thing is like the locking of the doors. Mm-hmm. Like those kids are locked in on the other side of the house. Like if something happened, if that lamp knocked over and the whole and like it caught on fire, they were like they're gonna die regardless. The logistics of some of these confused me because I hadn't seen this since me, my mama, and my brother saw it way back when. So I knew the ending, and I'm thinking about all of this, and I'm like, okay, but why shut the previous store before you open a new one? What was that? For the same, re- for the same reason we did in mental health. Multiple barriers. For the same reason what? It's for the same reason we did when Mary Kay and I worked in mental health. It's multiple barriers. So if you shut the door before you, before you open the next one, then even if they make it into this room, all you've got to contain is this room. It's like when you're running from someone and you knock a chair over behind oh. you. It just takes them a little longer, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. So we were we we were in AmeriCorps at a, a level four facility. Mary Kay actually worked at a like subset level three within the facility. So like for, for the kids who are at the level four, there always had to be two locked doors between them and the outside. Okay, so... The thing about the light, like I know, I understand the 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 alleg- not allegory, the fucking. I get the analogy, mm-hmm. I get that part, but did they, when they were alive, have a photosensitivity that she carried on into? Okay, okay. Yes, I, but they didn't when they died. Yes. So that's why there's nothing happening to them when the light hits them. Right. Okay. That's what I. Th- yeah. I thought that that first of all that is a an actual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then her husband has to tell her that was before. She's like, "Before what? What are you talking about?" I thought that was I thought that was Ms. Mills, who tells her, "Well, that was before." I think she tells the kids. Ms. Mills, (laughs) Ms. Mills definitely tells Grace like, "Well, that was before," and she's like, "Before what?" And she's like, and she just does blows past the idea Mm -hmm. of the question. Is like, well, you know, that can change. Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, still, look, like, a stranger, me, I, even more so, like, has to tell exactly. her, like, so that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> you can't be killed. <laughs> but, I, you know, I really love that in the context of the story, right, um, in life, they are photosensitive to the degree that it can be fatal. Mm-hmm. In death, that's gone. For the first time, they can stand in the sun. In death, what we see repeatedly is that they struggle to breathe, which is how they died. Right. 
And um, they even tell each other, stop breathing. Yeah. Stop breathing that, or stop breathing that way. Like, just, and say, same with Grace. You know, she says, my migraines, my migraines. Mm-hmm. Well, she, she shot herself in the head. And when Bertha Miss Mills gives her tablets for her migraine, she doesn't recognize them. Which suggests oh, that possibly she'd actually never had them. Yeah, that's Before interesting. She died. I didn't put that together yeah. either. So all of that is scary. Also, <laughs> just the fact that she could do, like, she could be driven to something so horrific and then forget that it happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't so much believe that she actually forgot, but that she was just mm-hmm. so committed to her delusion that, like, any, okay. any, like, time that something was sort of brought up, she just, like, she just, she couldn't stand it. Like, it was... It's it's my coping mechanism yeah. too. Like, nope, not gonna deal with that. I'm very much the Scarlet O'Hara. Like, I'm not gonna think about that today. I'm gonna think about that shit tomorrow. But tomorrow yeah. never comes, honey. We we just had I that moment that. in a in a text thread among the three of us where it was like, "All right, girl, I hear you. That is tough. Scarlet O'Hara, that shit. We'll deal with it tomorrow." <laughs> like, After all, tomorrow is another day. Also. Her mansion, I changed my mind. I don't want the Clue mansion. I want Scarlett O'Hara's mansion. I know it's a plantation, and I, I know that, and I realize that as I'm saying it, that is problematic. Here we find ourselves. Like, <laughs> you curtains. and your you and your black friend. <laughs> this is where you find We're going to reappropriate it, though. It's not going to be that anymore, of course. I don't know. When I, when I was a kid, and I, I didn't really get it i didn't really know better i thought tara was going to be the coolest farm in all the land Mm -hmm. and i kept naming my sim farms tara and then i got older and was like oh no (laughs) yeah you would have been chattel yeah yeah it's uh, yeah I uh, same at what age you know do you realize like oh actually yes great movie also hugely problematic like for me, for me specifically, yeah. like I, I, no matter how much I can develop the compassion or the, the empathy to identify with these characters that are not like me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, like I, no, I actually can't fit into that story at all. Just to swing it back around so we have something positive about it before we go into the rest of this movie. Um, <laughs> oh, Clark okay. Gable boycotted the ceremonies because, um. Because Hattie, Mc- Hattie, Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel couldn't accept her award in the facility that they wow. hosted it. Wow, I didn't know that. Because mm-hmm. yeah, because it was. I think it was in Atlanta, and it was segregated. And he was like, "Well, I'm not going either." Because <laughs> she's amazing. She is amazing. Um, she but is. anyway, back to is this movie scary? I feel like the score is the jump scares. Like the score is flawless. Every time something is about to happen and doesn't, I was like, oh, they got me. Like, they got me. Because it was about half and half, right? Like, I was watching it with with Chase, and I made tally marks for every time he jumped. Because he's not, like, a horror movie person, and he has really satisfying reactions <laughs> to horror movies. It was five. Five wow. jumps. Yeah. Well, that's I not bad. That's, that's not really bad. really hard to do in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, usually you get one, maybe two, right? I think of that moment in the, uh, first of all, this house has a mannequin room. 
It seems to be all religious icons, which is even stranger because it's like, where were those? I maybe. I mean, here's how I can justify that. If it's we're on the Isle of Jersey, it's Mm -hmm. World War Two. The Nazis Mm -hmm. are like blowing up churches and whatever major Mm -hmm. old structures in towns. And potentially I could see uh, Catholics, I think, were kind of a relatively rare I, I, I would assume in the UK in general, there would yes. not be so many. So that if she's Catholic, which I think the movie says explicitly. I, yes. I think so. I mean, I mean they talk about limbo and purgatory. Right. She says, yeah, and she says rosary. She says rosary. Yes, yes. So that maybe there was a thing where like she, they, they were providing a safe haven for like the religious icons of a church in the event that it got bombed out. But still, I agree I yeah. mean, you you have to expect that some ghostly things are going to happen if you have a room full of humanoid figures covered in sheets. It's just that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's the perfect backstory for a terrifying giant haunted house. Yes. I took this one room. I filled it full of saint carvings. I yeah. covered them in sheets and then I locked the door. So what could happen? <laughs> I will say my favorite jump scare in this movie, I don't even know counts as a jump scare, but it was when I, I when I saw it in theaters, I remember everyone in the theater jumping mm-hmm. um, is when she's searching the house, when Grace is searching the house and there appears to be a face behind her. There's no sound cue or anything, um, but a very sort of like ghoulish face. And then she throws open a window and it's revealed to be a painting. But it was like so such good. a smart moment that like when you can accomplish a jump scare with zero sound, yeah. that is a massive accomplishment in my book. Well, and in the in the um, icon room, I won't call it the mannequin room because <laughs> realistically, that's to, uh, to be fair, you know, um, in the icon room, the the music hits like this really harsh string. Yeah, like. It's like you broke a cord. It sounds like something went wrong and you jump because you think something happened and she runs out. But I didn't see. Did you guys see any? I kept rewinding it. I kept pausing it. I didn't. Are my eyes I, that bad, guys? I didn't Did you notice guys see that. Anything? I don't remember that. This is this is when the lights. Are, this is when like the curtains are, are open in the room and mm-hmm. she's surrounded by all the shrouded figures. Yeah, she's in there oh. with the, the lights yeah, so the curtains are open, but it's relatively early in the movie. But the mu- the music builds and builds and builds. Oh, interesting. And you're like, well, yeah, there's a bunch of like figures in the room covered in sheets. It's gonna be terrifying. But not to I, I like I said, I tried to keep rewatching. It was like, do I keep missing something? I don't think anything happens. I think the music just hits and she runs out. And once I understood understood the ending again, I was like, oh. She got scared and she left because there was somebody else in the room. Hmm. It just wasn't her. And eventually she hit her. She hit her limit. And that's what music tells you. It's like, and she's done. She's she's running out. Yeah, I'll have to check that out again. Because yeah. maybe there's something I missed. I hmm. felt like the score also went so well with the cinematography mm-hmm. that I don't understand how they could have happened independently of one another. Like it just see it fit so well it's like when you have a live musician and you're dancing you know it's like Mm -hmm. this is this is right this is feels right and in particular like the the i feel like the scariest part of the movie is when Anne is in her baptism dress and playing with her her puppet 
Yeah, her first communion. Yeah, yeah, for her first communion. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And she, Nicole Kidman, whose name I'm blanking, Grace, Grace. Grace yeah. comes in the yeah. room, and uh, she says, she sees the scary lady that they drew pictures of and everything, and she's in she says, Where, where's my daughter? And she said, I am your daughter. And I, that part haunted me. Like, that was in some of the previews after the movie was released. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that trailer, w- like, way, from years before I saw the movie. It was yeah. just so freaky. And yeah. I love the reveal of who that woman is. Like, she's not yes. the ghost. And she's, she she's not, she's not antagonistic. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so satisfying. It's funny that was that, just so smart. It's funny that that was something that hit you that way because, again, the first time I saw this was a long time ago with my mom and my brother. And my the only time I ever think of that scene or remember that scene was when they did a parody of it in one of the scary movie movies. <laughs> it was like the first yeah. one where they didn't have like the original cast. They had like fucking the guy yeah. from two and a half men, that, that fucker. Um, yeah, that fucker. I don't Yeah. I mean. And so like, instead of it being like this old ghoulish woman, it was somebody pretending to be Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. I am your child or something. So the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, <laughs> That's a stupid movie. <laughs> Where's Charlie at? <laughs> I just love that it turned out to be a medium and that yeah. the ghosts end up exorcising the humans. Oh my god, that's well, actually a beautiful way to Yeah. Yeah. Cuz at the end they're all holding each other and saying this is our house. This is our house. Well, and at As the end the of the other people leave. Yeah, and at the end of the day when when Grace attacks this entity mm-hmm. like she is right and Anne is right exactly that is her daughter and it's not her daughter and when you watch these yeah. haunted movies you're usually like oh god that's so scary we need to get rid of this evil entity but this like puts a much more like humanizing tone or lens on it mm. that you see like oh she's not crazy or violent you're really upsetting her like you're really fucking upsetting her. Of course she's going to like start throwing some of your papers. Like Also, here's the thing though. Let let let's lean into the twist a little bit. She did No, yes. Kill her children. She did, but yeah. do you want random strangers unloading your trauma in front of each other? In front of you? Like trauma you haven't like been able to deal with and literally lie to everyone and yourself with and then here comes these strangers into your own house talking about it i wouldn't i i'd be throwing some of them them papers too and it's the kids telling the strangers about it which is also like mortifying for yeah. a parent if you're embarrassed to like have a kid say like my mom wears spanks like to have a mom to have a kid be like my mom killed both of us and i imagine it would be pretty significant but what's also really interesting is that the children didn't say mom killed us they told the story and then when they're like oh but she she killed oh, you and they were right. like no yeah. she she yeah no, she, she didn't. They say, is that how she killed you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, oh, that's well, interesting. That's, that's that's the worst part about having a kid around, right? Is that they're going to say shit they don't know they're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, that is how they died. 
they they describe it right up to the moment. And then when you're like, oh, so that's how you died? They're like, bitch, no. And I'm not here talking to you. Like, no. And that that's why I believe that Grace didn't not know. She was just fully committed to her delusion because in the beginning when she said to Mrs. Mills, my children sometimes say crazy things. Don't mm, listen. Okay. So whenever a parent says, yeah, my kid says some weird stuff, don't listen, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's also something that I can't stop thinking about is if you were one of the people uh, who's a part of that seance, mm. that would be the scariest thing because, because essentially what's happening is the woman is writing down, the, the medium is writing down, like, uh, my our, our mom put a pillow over our heads uh, for a long time. And then just repeating again and again and again, we're not dead, we're not dead, we're not dead. That's which I'm terrifying. like, well, that would be the scariest thing I could imagine. And also, yeah. put it in context that not only did they just tell you that, but the perpetrator, the mother, just came into the room, realized she, that... They just spilt the tea, and you guys all know, and now she's pissed. You know yeah. that that entity yeah. that could be very dangerous and very violent and very evil just entered the chat to fuck yeah. your Catelyn shit up. Yeah, Stark is like, yeah. let's, let's, let's get that's, that's what That's what drove Michelle Fairley all the way to, rest, to Westeros, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that, was a big, that was a big revelation where I was like, oh my gosh, that's her. It, that yeah. was such a nice little uh, uh, Easter egg. I want to talk about, like, to go with the twist, right? how religion plays into the movie because we know from you know context that they are catholic they're doing their catechism they uh, when they are punished they say their prayers they read they memorize um which is fairly standard and that in itself is pretty scary right because the mom is kind of holding hell over their head being like you want to go to children's limbo? Is that what know. you want? Mm-hmm. Is you, that imagine which, the center of the earth full of molten evil? Mm-hmm. And also, the she's like, thing I'm is, dizzy. It, yeah, it was bitch, kind you of. Be. It was kind of recent that the Catholic Church was like, actually, uh, uh, never mind about limbo. That's not a real. That's we we don't believe. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which what a relief. Uh, but but I I also think there is. I mean. Yeah, the, the what's smart about this twist is that, yeah, it's so much about um, the magnitude of what we don't know and the ways in which we try to comfort ourselves with, like, rules that we believe in. And then I guess there's also the argument that, like, they are in purgatory. Like... They are, you know, yeah. 100%. Like, are they yeah. in purgatory or were they just wrong about everything? Yeah, oh, yeah, then, and I think and that's a great question they, in the end. They never get to know. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, like... So it's actually some- hell. <laughs> It's like until, if or until something changes for them, they'll they'll never right and get to know. So what is the difference between purgatory and limbo? So limbo, I think, is specifically for unbaptized babies and also good people who were not Catholic or who were not Christian. Mm-hmm. Or um, were born before Christ. Right. Or died right. before Christ. So they so, didn't have a chance. Right. So like in Dante's Inferno, I believe Virgil is in limbo. Like he he's in limbo. Because so. he was so, a he was a virtuous um uh non Christian. <laughs> so what is purgatory? 
So purgatory, I think, is where you work off, I, I think, non-mortal sins in order to get into heaven. So it's, it's your like, holding cell. Right, right. It's like until you get... There's the definitely line. you make bail. <laughs> and I think that go. fog was also kind of like a scene... Or I mean, um... Uh, That's our pathetic fallacy. <laughs> it's weather as a character, and I think it's like mm-hmm. a big clue that they are in limbo or purgatory that something is different yeah 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 and that's greek too um uh, the underworld is supposed to be foggy but and there's tons of ghosts but if you bring them blood they'll talk to you according to classic classic ghosts i mean i already knew that because i played wrath of the gods right i know you did (laughs) when i was a kid it was wonderful um yeah no so this is this is the what second or third movie in relatively recent recording history that has made me be like, damn, Christianity is, uh, man, we've been saying some creepy shit. Like, it's, we're really into blood, and we, we, we keep talking about fire, and and some, um, it's scary. Like, div- like, divorced from my experience of it as a person and, like, growing up in the church, you know? Like, it's not that this personally upsets me. It's that considering that sequence of words... <laughs> Had I not already had a personal attachment to it, I was like, oh my. Oh no. I I think, though, that it's not really that Christianity is scary. It's what you what will happen to you without it that's supposed to scare you. And I didn't really grow up Catholic, and that was not my experience of Christianity. Like, Presbyterians are like, you did something bad? Are you sorry? Go show you're sorry. And then we'll, you got some questions? That's fine. So I don't think it's all of it. I think it's Grace specifically because she did lose such control. Um, I think it's Grace and then also um, the dogma that she really fixates on because she does not understand what's happening. And maybe that is part of her repression is like, well, this does not fit into the things that we thought so it's yeah didn't happen i mean i seriously just meant like the like the straight up words like blood of christ and i was like oh my (laughs) goodness like oh yeah like that's for sure i've definitely cried in church before just at those words (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's like that, that very like basic level like if i did not grow up with this how would i feel about like a hymn called nailed to the tree oh no like there is so much about the faith I grew up. My my dad is a pastor. I am not like this is not me being like don't be a faith folks for real. Just that, you know, I I'm, I'm now old enough and have enough distance to be like, wow, some of the stuff I like said out loud with my mouth habitually as a child is And I think with that we see, shocking. We see a lot of growth with Anne and I feel like that she really becomes the adult in the scenario because first of all she knows what's up like from the Mm -hmm. jump there's she's sitting with nicholas they're talking to mrs mills and then she was like and then mama went mad and nicholas was like shut the fuck up and she's like what like it happened (laughs) like she's like from the jump she's trying to like speak the truth and everyone's trying to repress it and the mm-hmm. most beautiful moment was when Grace was blaming her for something she didn't do. 
for scaring yeah. Nicholas when Victor, was it Victor? Yeah. yeah, when Victor actually was a thing. And mm-hmm. she was like, you need to do all this. So she, you know, does all the things she has to do. And then Grace says, you need to pray to the virgin. And she, that's where she puts her foot down. She sets a boundary, first of all, boundary setting. Second of all, she stood up for herself and she said, I'm not going to pray for forgiveness for something I didn't do. Mm-hmm. To be able to say that with that authority, wow. Like, as a child, I could yeah. never. Second, she was like, by the way, I was doing my own reading, and children's limbo is for children who haven't been baptized, mm-hmm. but I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that weren't entirely religious, that would have been me in so many classes growing up. I was <laughs> truly a nightmare. Now I understand that adults hated me. But as I, one last thing is just with with that thought with her being sort of the the adult here in this movie. This has doesn't have anything to do with religion. I just don't want to forget this. She was talking to her mother, saying something. I don't remember what the context. I don't remember because I just wrote it. Her quote. She goes, "It's not true," and then she looks at her mom, real serious, as she says find the curtains it's so that is when they wake up in their bedroom and realize the curtains are gone mm-hmm. and uh grace has gone to like the edge of the property looking for charles looking for her husband and when she hears them screaming she runs back inside and she comes and, and she covers them in, in her coat and she gets them out of the room but no matter where she tries to take them the curtains are always gone no, I just mean the part where she says it's not true. I don't remember what that she, was about. But I remember her looking at her mother and being like, you're the mom. Put Get your on, shit together. Put on your <laughs> And that's exactly what she, yeah. she finally puts the chalkboard in front of the windows in their yeah. classroom so that they're protected. And when she finally can take them out of the coat and inspect them and make sure they're okay, that's exactly how Anne responds. Yeah. Like, and she's just like, you're the mom. Put on your big girl panties. We're going to do this. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I like you don't, you don't get a cookie for having got us here. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're the mom. Keep doing it. It's funny so, that you say that because she got them there by birthing them, but she also got them there by killing them. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the religion in particular in response to the like the gothic ghost stories because that's what this definitely absolutely is without Mm -hmm. a doubt so it can be scary if you stop at the imagery but that's not the point and because Anne has such perspective she's like no I'm not going to hell because I didn't do anything wrong and you're trying to make me apologize for not doing anything wrong like I did my homework actually and I know that I'm right And I think that that is a very adult sentiment to have. And I think kids are actually very, very, can be really good at at just seeing things for what they are without any sort of uh, influence on how they're supposed to be seeing things. Depending on the kid, of course. Because Nicholas is just like, don't do that, it'll piss mom off. Like, he knows the truth, but he's like, don't make her mad, it's not worth it. Um, but I also think that this is, I know that we're, t- uh, we're during World War II here, but the spiritualism movement, in, um, in, especially in the UK, was huge during both World Wars. 
Um, and that's what we're seeing with the, the medium who is blind and is doing the automatic writing, which is what they call it when they would go into a trance and, um, and, and write according to what they were feeling or experiencing. Or W.B. Yeats, the guy who wrote the, the Second Coming poem, was real big into spiritualism to the point where it was bananas. Like, if you go read more of his stuff, it's like, wow, wow, this is like Bible fan fiction. It is so... <laughs> it's, it's really interesting how far they went into the crevasse, right? Because, well, I mean, because they didn't want to give up their faith... And they also couldn't reconcile how many people died. Like, it was a whole... I mean, it's called the lost generation for a reason. You know? Like, it it was just... I mean, depending on your viewpoint, preying on people's grief. Mm. Where they were like, yeah, we can go yeah. talk to and that, the person that... was that, like... It, that... Have you ever seen... Um, oh, gosh. I think it's called The Awakening. It's a really, it's a really good haunted house movie about... Uh, I think it's post-World War One, really when spiritualism, particularly in the UK, was at its height. And um, it's about a, a, a woman who debunks phony spiritualists. Mm. And the opening scene is really great. I highly recommend looking it up if you can, which is just basically she attends a spiritualism uh, um, seance that is preying on people who've lost people in the war. And and it's amazing when people want to believe something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. What they'll what they'll overlook. And and when she debunks this seance in the opening scene, instead of being like hailed like a hero, the other people at the seance are furious at her. And like another woman like slaps her in the face because it's like she pulled back the curtain on a thing that was bringing mm-hmm. her comfort. And so it's funny how in this movie, it's kind of a rare, it's kind of a rare look at like <laughs> a medium who can, mm-hmm. who like can do what she professes to be able to do. But it's also like a, like that's a specific thing that only rich people can afford, you know, like having a medium personally come to like your big, huge house. Well, and it yeah, if you have make, the big, huge house in the first place. Yeah. Like it if, that, if this think, is where you live, then. I mean, it is a murder house, so hopefully they got a discount. That, that's the hope. And yeah, the dad's a concert <laughs> yeah. pianist. It could go one way or the other in terms of whether he makes a lot of money or not. But um, it did make me wonder in the end, like, what year is this that the seance is happening? Like, how far right. after this, uh, this murder are these people moving in? I'm sure if, like, I knew anything about cars, I could probably gauge from, like, looking at the car they get into at the very end. Based but... on the cut of the dress, I would say not not more than 10 years. Wow. That's what I thought, too. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought, okay. too. I thought In that the about hairstyle. the mustache. It was the mustache for me. Okay. <laughs> I liked the victory curl that Catelyn Stark had with the yes. shoulder pads and the nipped waist and then the A-line. Yeah, I thought, I thought it, it was... just just got it like that. Just just paying That's attention. impressive. That's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it had been about ten years. That's and that I have to say, I don't know when's a good time to move into a murder house, but but for some reason, like anything within ten years feels like real fast to move into a house yeah. where a grisly murder yeah. took place. But hey, desperate times, I guess, call for uh, desperate. But I feel house like purchases. they wouldn't know. Oh, that's well, yeah, true. Oh, yeah, they know didn't what, know. They don't have don't laws know, like, like they have now. Yeah, I was that's say, I don't true. Know real estate law in the UK was like at the time. I know. Like well, now then, they have to tell you. And I have a feeling it was like probably most likely abandoned too. Like who? Like after she did all that, the guy's yeah. dead. She's dead. The kids are dead. Who else is? Maybe that's why the icons are in there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, maybe. yeah I. <laughs> 
it is it is funny to think like having lived in many apartments in New York City, I think I just always assumed every apartment I was like, well, someone's definitely been murdered here. I mean, the odds are that someone's been murdered here. Right. <laughs> I know that's not true whatsoever, but I think I just that was my default in order to not worry about it anymore. I was like, yeah, right. someone's been killed in every apartment I've ever lived in. There was yeah, this... I feel like the older your city is, too, the more chance exactly. that that's the case. Or if you live in a super young city designed specifically for old people to go to to die. Uh, also, there was which like is this what I'm. That's what I'm rocking right now. There was like, this st- statistic. I always have trouble saying the word statistic. That <laughs> wit that got really popular recently about, and I don't remember the number, but the likelihood that you walked past a dead body in the trunk of a car, like if you're walking through <gasps> a parking lot, is actually like surprisingly high. Oh no! Yeah, oh, I hate that. hate that. Just like the whole like sp- like the likelihood of you swallowing a spider. It's like that. It's Ew, like I hate that more. <laughs> I hate that more. Yeah, well, it's good, like shockingly surprising. I mean, that means I that, defeated the spider. I I did read, and I can't back this. I'm gonna look this up because I, I did read recently that the spider thing is not true, which brought me a tremendous amount of peace. But Thank I do you, because think, what the f- like? I don't think a spider is that dumb. Yeah. Like, spiders have yeah, been around no, for same. centuries. You think they're just going to be sniffing around at my stinky, nasty-ass morning breath? I Listen don't think so. Listen to what so. happened to me, no joke, yesterday. What? So, oh I am sitting at my table, and out, and I'm working on my dollhouse like I do because I'm a nerd, and we just watched this movie, and the whole time I'm just taking notes because it needs to be fantastic like this house. Anyway, working on a dollhouse, and out, I'm not... I don't even, it was so terrifying. You know, I'm working right in front of me, like close, close um, to my face. Mm-mm, mm-mm, and a spider mm-mm. drops down nope. from the vent. Yes. Over How? my head onto like within a foot of where I'm at. <gasps> I killed that motherfucker so fast. <laughs> I was terrified. I went, <gasps> No, and then smashed it with whatever I was holding at the time and probably broke it. I don't remember because it was worth can it. I, but that is a real ass thing that happened to me yesterday. Can I, can I ask you about si- spider size? Like what spiders are coming through it our vents this day? It was oh, okay. little. So, but nonetheless, oh, okay. Okay. a spider. According so. to Scientific American, the average person eats zero spiders a year. And that Thank it would be God. very rare. In partic- that makes the most sense. Because I would much rather party with them in my shower because they do sometimes come to the shower and I sing to them. <laughs> However, what what really threw me through a loop that Anne and I did an episode about is the odds of the amount of bugs we eat just by eating bottled anything over yes. time is stunning because they're like the um, Food and Drug Administration, their cleanliness standards... Well, the cleanliness standards, it's it's sort of hard to track because they allow um, certain parts uh, in comparison to like one in 2000 parts are allowed to be like bug legs, you know, like yes. it, yeah. depending on just when things get in. Now, the more processed the food is, the less likelihood that is. But then you trade that for highly processed foods. But but and we this there is some contention about. Uh, the little ring around ketchup bottles at the top, like a Heinz ketchup bottle, you know, has like a secondary label around the top. 
is so that you can't see discoloration that can happen on the surface of ketchup bottles, like like right at the top of where the ketchup is. But I was always taught, like, that's where the bug bits settle, and that's not true. But there is just slight discoloration at the top. But who knows what that discoloration <laughs> is, folks? This is why you do not buy pre-ground coffee. <laughs> don't do it. It's, oh, no. Don't even look it up. It will ruin your life about why oh, you no. shouldn't. Because bugs are involved and you're going to hate it. Wow. Well, that well, I... I'm going to well, go puke up my guts now. But, but the thing is, also they say, like, if you've been to a restaurant, the odds, like, we're eating like little weird bits of creatures all the time that we just have no awareness of. And yeah, basically, yeah. basically like most scientists just like, just don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like when Dwight Schrute's like his whole point on like your immune system, you don't want to coddle it. <laughs> yes, I do. I don't want to be sick. He's, he's way out of control there. <laughs> the overall sentiment isn't the When is he not way out of heard. control? I don't know. Anytime someone wants to run their mouth about like, oh, you have pets in your home. I want to eat your food. I'm like, you don't have pets in your home. Weird shit still got in there. Like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, that's inevitable. Yeah. Like, th- it's life. This is uh, this is our, our capitalist magical America and everything is gross and terrible Imagine. and bad. So yep. what a fun way <laughs> To wrap up our episode, there is uh, one thing that I will say, and I know this is this is not good at bridging um, us eating bugs and uh, and the others, <laughs> but I will say something that I think is a huge accomplishment in this movie regarding the twist is that this movie came out the summer after The Sixth Sense came out, oh. which has this massive twist, I didn't know and that. I think everyone going into the movie, including me, I was like primed now for every horror movie to have a twist and right away i was like oh the the maid and the the gardener and the secondary maid are spooky servants like i was like they're ghosts that's what the reveal is going to be like when they showed the gravestones i was like god it was way ahead of it all the time but the really smart twist of them saying like of like outing them as ghosts and then when when um uh, Mrs. Mrs. Mills, Mrs. Mills yeah. is is standing. Oh yeah, Ms., sorry, Miss, because right, I don't know if she's married. She's standing at the glass door, and then they say like, "You still have to deal with the others. Like you're in there with them." And I remember the collective gasp in the audience of like, "Oh, the ghosts are not the others." That was just like such yeah. a satisfying moment and really yeah. good. That's a really good way of like dangling a twist in front of an audience, making them feel like they're smart. And then, like, pulling like the curtain back hair. to... Sh- right, exactly. Wow. Yeah, um, no, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, it it requires this kind of magical, like, double back on your convention. Like, mm-hmm. your convention has to work the first time through when we think they're ghosts. Mm-hmm. Or, when we, right. rather, when we think the others, rather, are the ghosts. And then it has to work when we watch it the second time through. And we know how it turned out. Like, it has to stay airtight. Mm -hmm. And it really does. Honestly, the only moment that I was like, well, is that there's one moment where Anne puts a spoonful of soup into her mouth. 
ghost food, I guess. I guess they're, ghost? yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess they're just like dribbled out of. I mean, I guess if you're a, if you're a ghost, the food you make is also ghost. Like like you're just operating on a different. I mean, this is there also potentially is an argument that this situation they're in now as ghost is not necessarily a punishment because like now yeah. they're allowed to pull the curtains back. The kids don't have to go through you know insane Bible yeah. study all the time, and they can just sort of they're not they're not waiting for their life to keep going because they know it's over. No, I mean I get that. Like I, the only reason that stood out to me is that upon rewatching, I was like, oh, nobody else eats. Oh yeah. Like the other, their their fellow ghosts don't eat. So I thought, oh, is that is that just kind of like a gaff or? Is that meaningful? I think because or... you're talking about the Mills and Tuttle in them. You mean those? I, all, all of them. All of them. All of the ghosts. The only person we see like actually take a bite of food the whole time is Anne. And she, she takes oh, a spoonful okay. of soup. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, 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 it also just is like, I don't know. Right, right. I, we're just as clueless as they are about like what the rules are in this ghost mm-hmm. world. I also will say in my most recent rewatch, something that I was like, Oh, is when the father comes back for that one moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, Ugh, Christopher Eccleston all that day. Potentially he, like I was interpreted as though he came back. He saw this like horrible turnaround and like went back to the battlefield where he's haunting it. But then when I watched it, I was like, oh, maybe he didn't die. Like maybe he like died for a moment and then was like resuscitated and brought back to life. And that's why he's he was gone so suddenly. On. Yeah, that, that that could be the case, too. That was just yeah. a, a, another possibility that I was like, but oh. But either way, I think it all works in the fact yeah. that they are stuck there because what happened and he was not a part of that. So he... Mm-hmm. There's no way that he could be there long term. Like, yeah. he has yeah. no place being there other than a quick visit. So whether it's passing on, he's getting resuscitated, or, you know, what have you, that's not a space that his soul, yeah. alive or right. dead, belongs in. Right. So that's I have true. a question, though. Because he doesn't know what happened until Anne tells him. Mm-hmm. So is that what makes him be like, I'm out? That's what I thought happened, was that he had died and mm-hmm. come home, fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And when he came home, because he was already dead, he'd been dead longer than they were, he recognized what they were. Uh, and that's, that's what had him so, on top of, obviously, the, the horrifying trauma of having been in the battlefield. Right. He was... Okay. Well, just, remember where, just wrecked by the realization that his whole family was gone, but it wasn't until Anne tells him how it happened that he's like, "Oh, I can't." I love I that any I explanation is fine. Like all of them work. Right, yeah, like, right. That is just so smart. Yeah. It's like loose, so actually, but not in a bad way. Yeah, but he <laughs> actually does like the thing she accuses him of doing, which is like, "It's not the war. You're leaving me." Mm-hmm. Right. That's and actu- then, actually what he ends up doing. Remember where she found him, too. So, his if, if we're going to go with the thread that he died in the war, mm-hmm. she goes out into that fog, finds his soul, brings him home. He gets the information. Like you said, Mary, recognizes what's happening. 
in his mind, he goes, oh, so we're all dead. You guys did this thing. That's okay, whatever, but I'm dead. I need to be... That's, that's where I was, in my head, interpreting it, interpreting it that he knows that he's dead now. He knows that they're dead, and he knows that this is not the end-all, be-all. There's something more, and it's time for him to continue his own journey to the beyond. I mean, I just thought he was Christopher Eccleston, and he deserved better. <laughs> also true. Very true. I mean, in spite of what he did in 28 Days Later, like he redeemed himself. Oh, that's himself. right. He oh, my God, himself. I didn't even realize. That's him. He redeemed himself in Doctor Who. So, yeah. Do you know so how this many is, times... Maybe this is... But maybe this is how that like physical body becomes subsumed into Time Lord mythology, and that's how we got <laughs> the Ninth Doctor. It all comes together now. Exactly. Do you know you how many times in this episode we reference the episode we did on Twenty Eight Days Later? It's ungodly. So this this movie managed to grab so many different like like tropes mm-hmm. and just fucking run with them and do such a great job like the big scary magical house the the spooky servant which is a favorite of mine because it is so excellent in rebecca and has been spoofed so well so many times the damaged veteran which in 28 days later is christopher eccleston (laughs) yeah you know um i mean we've seen it jaws you were never really here like there are so many moments that it really like grabs a horror th- trope we've seen a billion times and then still does it well. So what a delight. What a delight. Um, I've got a closer for us if we are, if we would like to play it. Sure. Yeah. What would your happy ending for ghosts be? Like, like you're stuck forever. You're not like a magically better person or anything. But the kids, like, now they get to enjoy sunlight for the first time. Right? What would your happy ending for ghosts be? Like, where one thing is a little better? Yeah, like, this one thing is different. But it it makes a big difference. Poreless skin. (laughs) (laughs) Always good. Always good. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that's, that's a good question and hard. Uh, let me think about that one for a second. Yeah, because you don't else. want it to change your entire identity. Like, I don't want to be a different person. Right. Right. I don't want something to change that would make me a different person. I just want something to be a little better or easier. Oh, I got another one. I got another one. Okay. You're basically a cartoon character because you don't have to worry about outfit changes because you're in the same outfit every day. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to shower. Just got to hope oh, it's an outfit that you yes. like. My thing would be like, you can't, you don't get hurt and you don't get sick. You won't yeah. get sick. You don't have to pee. You don't get UTIs. <laughs> oh. Yo, I was trying to explain the experience of a UTI to a male coworker. Oh, who God. I could see doing the piss dance while he was like on the phone with another store. And I was like, I will take the phone for you and just be like, you'll be back. <laughs> Don't do this to yourself. You don't know what you're getting yourself in for. God, it's the most painful thing in the world. The fucking worst. Yeah. 
I would Honestly, say the thing, the thing that the, if like I could change like one thing that again, wouldn't, wouldn't change my like personality, but would just be a new situation to find as a ghost. Um, would be like not having to worry about like how I look in pictures, you know, oh. it's like, well, that, that, that's all taken care of, you know, like I don't have to worry about good angles. I don't have to worry about whether the lighting's okay. I, I you look always like nothing. have a creepy daguerreotype of, <laughs> right, right. Or you'll just always show up as an orb in pictures. That's, you know what? I, I, that's already kind of how I look in pictures. So <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm happy to keep orb consistency before and after life. Honestly, my answer was going to be like just hair consistency. Like, <laughs> I just don't want to have to worry about how that's, tra- so much of the rest of it, I feel so much control. Mm-hmm. But when you have curly hair, it's going to do... Yeah, do you think when you're a ghost, you get Nicole Kidman's eyebrows? Because that would be great. Yeah, what a, what I a mean, gag. If it's her 2001 eyebrows, hell yeah. Like, in the 20 years since, the, the tales have come up, and I don't, I don't want that look for myself. She looks <laughs> I incredible. I just was talking about this one. No, no, she looks, I mean... Well, look at this, and I'm like, God, she's the same age as me now, and she looks a hell of a lot. That messed me uh, up when I found out how young she was in this movie. Wait, how old was how, she? She's like, I think she's like 32. Hold on. Wow. Yeah. yeah, just like. So was this during or after the Scientology break? So right. in the course of, so Tom Cruise is actually listed as an executive producer on this movie. So right. this is post Moulin Rouge. So she's at the peak of her powers. In I believe that in the week this movie was released, their divorce was finalized. Yeah. Oh, you guys remember? So those she's pictures? still in the cult at this point. Uh, no, uh, no, not necessarily. No, because if their divorce was being finalized at this point, they'd already been split up for some. She time. was twenty nine. <gasps> Fuck me. She is incredible. She's incredible. Okay, I feel marginally better that she looks so awesome because at least she was five years younger than I am now. (laughs) And she stays looking awesome and everyone should do whatever they want to look awesome all the time. Her particular brand of awesome bears zero resemblance to anything my face can ever, (laughs) can ever do, can ever do. Like, it just doesn't, like her, so many directors have talked about like working with her and how like the way light hits her skin. It's just wow. it's because she's know, very, very white. Yeah, and also because she chooses to stay that way, right? Yeah. Like she didn't go tanning and getting spray tans. She was like, "Yeah, sunblock all day, motherfuckers." Yeah. Oh, Big I, okay. Hats. Adjustment. I did. I did bad math. Um, she was thirty-one when they filmed it, and thirty-two when they released it. Sorry about okay. that. Still younger than me. Still, I'll still take young. It. Still young. Yeah. Still younger than me. I'll take it. Like she. No, she looks incredible, and she still looks incredible. And again, we should all do whatever we want to look incredible. <laughs> I just, you know, I look at her, and I'm like, man, I all the sunblock in the world doesn't yeah. quite have the same <laughs> the same effect. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just not gonna bounce my light around that one. <laughs> um, no, she's she's beautiful, and she's she's tremendous in this, right? Mm-hmm. Like when the yes, kids are true. like, yeah, you don't want to be my mom. I'm like, yeah, you don't. She's scary as <laughs> shit. Look at her. Look at her. Terrifying. Anyway, Nicole Kidman, we're all big fans. We love you yeah. so much. 
Uh, if you ever want to come hang out with us, that would be amazing. <laughs> Andrew, can you tell us again where our listeners can find you and support your work? Yes. Um, I Embarrassingly, once again, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at That's a Jellyfish. Um, yes. And, uh, and yeah, a Scary Stories Tell on the Pod. We come out with new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. You can get it wherever you uh, uh, get your podcasts, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scary story underscore pod. And y'all want to do that because it is for sure very fun. Oh, that's very, very kind of you. Oh, um, yeah. Most fun you can have with your clothes <laughs> on or off. Honestly, <laughs> I know y'all don't remember what it's like to have fun with your clothes off. We've been we've been doing this lockdown thing for a long time, so just yeah. trust me. So what's up next? Up next, we are talking Angel Heart, which was selected by our old friend. You might remember him. You might love him from our episode on The Exorcist, Clay McLeod Chapman. He selected Angel Heart, and we got excited about it because it sounded terrifying. Mostly, just your thing. In yes. trying, yeah. Well, most no. I say terrifying in terms of like trying to reconcile the information he gave us, which was like it's horror, but kind of with Lisa Bonet and Mickey Rourke. So that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, and we're excited about that, and yeah. we're excited about this. And Andrew, thank you so much for being our lovely guest. Oh, my we pleasure. Thank you, Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. All right. <laughs> Love you. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Com. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. Yes. I love rom-coms. Campfire.